You're listening to Visions of Education, a podcast where we take a look at big ideas in education from different perspectives. Hi, I'm Michael Milton, a high school teacher from Massachusetts. And I'm Dan Kretka, an education professor in Texas. We're here to help bridge the gap between educators in the K-12 and those professors in higher ed. We hope this podcast will help bring those fuzzy ideas in education into focus. Welcome to the Visions of Education podcast today. I'm joined by Michael Milton. I'm Dan Kretka. Michael, how are you doing? Are you recovered from your uh, long flight and travels abroad? Slowly. I'm not totally there yet. I was uh, in Bosnia and Croatia. It's like six hours away. So apparently it's going to take me about six days to get back to normal. Um, so tell us a little about your trip. I know we're going to jump into, uh, we have a great guest today, but just give us a little bit of highlights of, of what you were doing over there. Cause this is education related, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was taking a class on the, uh, Yugoslav wars and the Bosnian genocide. So, uh, we, part of the class was a travel portion. So we went to Sarajevo, we went to Severnitska, we went to Mostar, um, Split and Dubrovnik to learn more about, well, what happened in the 1990s there it was really interesting um and i'm so happy that i did it because i feel like i learned so much that i can now bring to my classroom awesome awesome i mean i think um you know years ago uh the um uh my school district more public schools actually paid for us to go see historic american history sites all across the coast oh yeah i felt like it was very useful for me i guess the question i always had is how applicable it was for my classroom do you feel like there's some specific things you're going to be able to bring to your classroom Oh, absolutely. Uh, in, interestingly, since I was in Sarajevo and I, you know, I cover World War One, so I also learned more about the uh, the assassination of Archduke Franz Ferdinand. And so I feel like actually being there and seeing things uh, is just so much important. Uh, and so then I can, you know, add a little more like color or um, description into my discussion in class. Right. So I feel like having that ground floor, ground floor, is that the right word? I feel like that, like, you know, ground level view is important. Cool. Very neat. Well, we have um, a guest today who I'd say is on the ground level in the sense that he just gets his hands dirty in learning every day. He's he's doing so many different things, and I feel like as much as anyone I know is just kind of a constant um, lifelong learner. Um, so we have Wes Fryer today. How are you doing, Wes? I am doing great. Yeah? How is Oklahoma City today? Sorry. No, no, it's uh, it's good. We we got one of these uh, weather weather breakout days, so it's gonna gonna be exciting to to see what happens. We we see the march of technology with uh, how much more confident the meteorologists are that you know dan- danger is here. So it, it's a field day for the the local news. That's for sure. Hopefully everybody will be safe. Yeah, I saw a lot of the schools are letting out early today. Yeah, uh, Middell actually just decided to cancel. They had they had an ex- extra snow day, so our family uh, goes to three three different schools. So it's rare that w- that we have everything all synced. But uh, you know, it, it's a it's a beautiful thing when 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 those snow days happen. We we didn't have any of those this year. So anyway, we're hoping for, we're we're really not hoping for a tornado day. We, we're not saying that, but <laughs> no, we're not hoping for that either. <laughs> uh, um, so Wes. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background in education? 
Sure. So I started uh, educational life after the Air Force as a, a fourth grade classroom teacher in Lubbock, Texas, and spent about five years doing that before going to the College of Education to do distance learning and uh, migrating over to Oklahoma with AT&T to, to learn all about E-Rate and uh, doing professional development. And spent about five years being an independent consultant, uh, which sounds very sexy, but when your wife is dreaming of, uh, you know, healthcare benefits and, and and reliable paychecks, you you learn to value that check that that comes uh, at the uh, end of the month every every month. So um, I finished my doctorate in 2011 in curriculum and instruction, and wanted to. I've I've always been passionate about media and the use of, you know, media technologies to publish, share ideas, student voice, and especially around this idea of showing what you know. And so I ended up uh, working on a grant in Yukon Public Schools for a couple years as an instructional coach and then went back in the classroom to teach STEM in fourth and fifth grade the last two years. So this July, I became the director of technology for Cassidy School, which is an independent school here in northwest Oklahoma City, about seven minutes from my house. And I'm really enjoying that role, which involves lots of IT geek stuff, uh, <laughs> but it also involves <laughs> instructional coaching and working with teachers and um you know, helping build a vision for uh, the the meaningful integration of technology, which hopefully means doing a lot of content creation and not just consumption, and helping helping teachers blend their learning and use these use these tools in powerful ways, not only to deliver content but hopefully to um, facilitate engaging, hands-on, project-based experiences for students. So, you mentioned that you were doing distance learning earlier um, in your career. What is distance learning? So in the context of my role uh, at Texas Tech University as the director of distance learning, I had the opportunity to work with faculty that were both teaching in online environments, completely web-based, in what we called at the time ITV or interactive televideo. So that was the room-based systems that you know had the big TVs and cameras and cost tons of money and everybody kind of had to have one of those at their location. And then also faculty that would blend. And so they would make hybrid courses and they would do a variety of different things. So um, um, you know, distance learning just, you know, tends to mean uh, learners being geographically separated um, in, in usually space as well as time, but sometimes not in time from the from the uh, instructor or teacher. Um, it, it also ends up being a part or can become a part of, of blending learning as we just think about flipping and using technology tools that expand the walls of the classroom and don't limit the opportunity that we have to not only access and consume information, but also interact with each other. We don't have to do that within the four walls of a classroom or within, you know, the 45 minute, hour and a half, three hours, whatever, whatever kind of constraints we have on our schedule. And uh, just to, for our listeners who don't know what flipping is, you know, flipping is um, kind of part of this just online learning revolution in that there's so many tools now to create content that um, you can create videos and things online your students can watch at home. Uh, that you don't have to do all of the lecture type, description type teaching, you know, um, in the classroom. That they can do learn some of those things at home, pause it when they need to, and then come to class and do more hands-on activities. Is that pretty fair description, Wes? It is. One of my favorite stories to tell about is um, a real kind of famous article that was in the Chronicle of Higher Education probably around 2002, 2003. Jose Bowen was at the time the dean of the College of Art, I think at SMU. And the article was originally titled Teach Naked. And he was not talking about clothes. He was talking about 
projectors and PowerPointing students to death. And so his thing was our our you know kids, our families are paying a premium price to come to campus, you know, and some of them are being PowerPointed to death. I want you to Ooh. make podcasts, I want you to make videos. When you want to deliver content, when students come to class, I want them to have a highly interactive face-to-face experience, which really leverages the affordances of being face-to-face and synchronous. And so I, I that was you know, a while back that that happened. And while I'm not, you know, advocating for that, hey, let's take down the projectors, you know, I'm, I'm definitely saying, you know, let's look at, at the kinds of learning experiences that we're providing for students. And, you know, can, can technology uh, go to that transformative level where we're able to do things we couldn't do otherwise? And in the case of, of video, you know, I, I think video is the pencil of the 21st century. Every single teacher, regardless of level, <laughs> needs to have a sandbox where we can publish and share video. Ideally, you know, that can be interactive and where we can also have our students do that as well. And we're in the midst of this huge transition, you know, from from paper-based, you know, mainly, um, you know, text-based uh, instruction to this to this crazy world where we can have an incredible blend of of different technologies and methodologies. And uh, a lot of times it's our own headspace as teachers and and instructors that kind of holds us back. And that's why it's so important to be connected and have a chance to learn on podcasts like yours. And and then hopefully be in an environment where at some level we we can experiment and we can try stuff because, you know, having a a digital sandbox that we can play in and we can try some different things is a really important part of the learning process as we we learn new skills and, and new tools we we expand our toolbox and uh, figure out things that might be be powerful and effective in the classroom well and Wes I think you've already started to touch on it a bit but um, could you kind of give us your your big idea how would you ex- you know describe it how would you term it so we have something kind of to hang our hat on as, as we kind of uh, move forward and learn a little bit about what you've been doing Sure. Well, my big idea for a while has been show with media, show what you know with media. You know, Microsoft says, where do you want to, what is their thing? Where do you want to go today or something? Mine's like, what do you want to create today? You know, what do you want to make? So showwithmedia.com has been my website uh, for the last four years where I've been um, taking 12 different tools that students and teachers can, can create not just defining those, but giving examples of student work and then um, giving resources, tools, you know, and strategies for implementing those. My advocacy is is shifting a little bit. That's still a part of what I love to do and promote. But the, the latest big idea is something I would term inside and outside sharing. And the, the summary of it is, uh, inside sharing is stuff that we do in our class or behind a password. Outside sharing is publicly accessible. Sharing is foundational to learning. And I would go as so far as, as Dean Shiresky does to say we have moral imperatives to share and encouraging teachers as well as students to safely share both inside and outside uh, is a huge need that we have in this you know digital landscape of you know connectivity and devices and, and possibilities. So, so what are some of the things you've been doing? Um, can you explain that? Can you give us examples of inside and outside sharing that you've been doing? Sure. I'll, I have to give the shout out to my wife, Shelly, who uh, together went up to K-State in January and did a one-day iPad event, and we called iCamp. And uh, in talking about that, <clears throat> inside sharing examples are things, they could, they could be putting student work you know, up on, up on a bulletin board or up on the wall. It could be reading something out loud in class. 
Uh, it also could be using a password-protected uh, learning management system. Seesaw is one that's for portfolios that especially a lot of primary and elementary classrooms are using. Uh, at higher ed, we use Blackboard, Moodle, uh, Canvas, you know, Haiku, these different kinds of systems. But those require a password, and they're not open. So outside sharing is when we post something on a public website, like a public Google site or a WordPress or a, or a blogger site, something that doesn't require a password. When we use Twitter, uh, not on a protected account, but we share things openly and we have that as a channel for publishing, uh, that's an example. My wife this last year has had a radio show, so she's used the free um, iPhone app called Opinion, and her kids almost every week, every other week or so, have done a short little five or so minute radio show where they talk about the word of the week or they talk about what they've been doing in their maker studio or they have a guest that they interview or something like that and when those things are shared outside it lets not only folks that are in the class see it but it can let other teachers see it and and you know any any community constituent it's one to an undefined many sharing i think that's uh Oh, who does uh, Here Comes Everybody. Shirk, Clay Shirky, I think he talks about that as far as the ways that when you share on the open web, it's not like email. You know, you don't have to have everybody's address, and you really don't know how many people are going to to see that. What are the um, what are some other benefits of sharing to the just your Walden garden or your Walden sandbox? So I think at a really basic level, all of us as teachers can can think of the people who are the strongest influences on us and shaping us. Uh, maybe, you know, we'd even put them in the category of our mentor uh, as we were, you know, student teaching or somebody who taught next to us who, who, who we kind of apprenticed under. It is really powerful to get to hang out with someone's brain, especially somebody who is doing something that you want to do, somebody who's doing something better than you, uh, or just somebody who's passionate about something. So, the bit the, one of the most clear benefits of outside sharing is that it gives us opportunity to be inspired and to connect to other people who are interested in similar kinds of things. From a student standpoint, I think audience is essential and digital citizenship is key. Uh, we have people talking about internet safety and oh, we've got to make sure these kids that are Snapchatting and you know using WhatsApp and whatever the latest tool is, you know, aren't, um, you know, damaging themselves forever with the digital footprints that they're, they're leaving online. Well, that is a part of the digital citizenship conversation. But another big part of it is, you know, how are you positively affecting what people find when they Google for you? And this obviously, you know, changes as students get older. We're not talking about helping kindergartners necessarily shape their digital footprint. But as kids get older, um, you know, we're all publishers now if we have an account on a site like Facebook or uh, really any kind of social media site. And so when we publish outside in the classroom, we get opportunities to have lots and lots of conversations with students about things that matter in terms of literacy, communication, citizenship, um, from you know attribution and giving credit for things and, and thinking about the source of things to comments and what makes a good comment. It allows uh, students to have a wider audience. And if uh -huh. I, I say this often, if if I am restricting my class to the ideas in my head, and that's all we're going to be learning about 
about, we are just so limiting what we could learn because not only is there the textbook and you know all of these form resources we've used before, there are all these other resources, videos, um, articles, you know, blog posts, uh, ebooks. There's just there's a world of content out there, and so when we are involved in outside sharing. Uh, we model for our students what I think is a best practice for, for education and academia, which is being a generous sharer and being not only a taker but a contributor. Uh, mm-hmm. But we also open up uh, our class to have these very context-specific conversations about things that are important. And yes, that includes things to share and not share online, but it also um, you know, extends just even into the power of our words. You know, Words matter so much, and the words right. that you put on a page, comments are kind of hard to come by on a blog, especially today, and even social media. You know, how, do we help, how do we help kids use their tools for good and not for evil? <laughs> I think this is a really important thing. <laughs> And when we are outside sharing, when we have these spaces, these channels to, to publish content and share, yeah. uh, we get to have conversations about that with our students. And just like character education, I'd say this is everybody's job. This isn't just the computer teacher's job. It's not just the technology director job. You know, we're all in the business of trying to help kids learn to make good choices and uh, some of these things are sort of age old and now have a digital face. But some things are are actually different because of technology and the ways it's becoming, you know, part and parcel of sort of who we are and and how we what what we do on a day to day basis. We feel naked right. with phones, right? So, you That's, know, it's becoming part of us. It's interesting. Uh, there was just um, I think it was earlier this year. There was a podcast, um, uh, This American Life. It's if you don't have anything nice to say, say it in all caps. And it's about, you know, uh, what happens when trolls, like people are being really mean on the internet and one woman tracks down the person. It's actually a really fantastic piece that I do recommend listening to. Um, so we like to talk about, uh, you know, we like to talk about our theory. Then we, we also kind of like to get into the brass tacks. Like, how does this look like in the classroom? Uh, a little more specifically. How would, so, you know, inside-outside sharing be? Absolutely. So, uh there's a, a website, and actually my wife and I are helping organize a conference this next uh, November. It's going to be the first Friday and Saturday called the Digital Sharing Conference. And so if you just go to the website, digitalsharing.org, um, we're trying to, to make make this visible. Like that's an important thing to think about with technology or, or any yeah. kind of instructional methodology. Like how do I make my thinking visible? How do I make the, the thinking of my students visible? So one way to think about this is with channels. And and I'd love, you know, input and feedback on this. I've kind of thought of, of this sort of like a placemat, like you go to McDonald's and you've got this different placemat and, and you've kind of got a map. And as a teacher, uh, we can have different channels. Well, I mean, I've got my, my TV here. I've been monitoring the, the weather today. Uh, I can switch to different <laughs> channels. Well, we can create channels today as teachers to be able to publish different kinds of content, uh, a video channel on YouTube, um, a Twitter channel, a podcast channel, a yeah. blog where we're going to engage in interactive writing, a website where I'm going to have my curriculum. I don't think that there is necessarily one place where everybody has to start. I think that depending upon, for instance, my wife doesn't particularly love to write a lot, but she loves podcasting. And so she's found that to be a really um, great thing. She, she blogs with her kids and, and they do that, but she has really kind of gravitated to that more than she has the writing and the blogging. Uh, so there's, there's sort of different entry points where people can begin. Um, 
I think it's so important to look at examples. So if you look at her website, which is, and I'll send you guys this as a, a podcast show note link, classroom.shellyfryer.com. She's got links to her YouTube channel, links to our class blog, uh, links to our YouTube channel, um, you know, here connect out to us, and and in some cases, in the, like like their kid blog, you know, people can can write comments, and they've got mentors for their kids mm-hmm. who um, actually you know read what the kids say and give them feedback, and and you know they've they've done some pen pal kind of stuff with other classes, but that would that would be a a play how I would say how do you see outside sharing, you see it in the channels that teachers create and the virtual space that a teacher creates in order to uh, you know, rep- represent our class. So where where do my kids go virtually to connect with us? I think it's really great to have a home base website that that has those links, and then to be sharing that. And you know, the most the best thing is when the kids are really jazzed and excited, and yeah. they're sharing it with mom and dad. I mean, in the in the last year that well, the the two years I was at UConn, we my students. Students published over 400 videos on our YouTube channel for for our STEM class. Most of those were really short. Uh, a lot of them weren't great, but some of them <laughs> were pretty phenomenal. And you know, I got a, I had a lot of kids who were excited showing their peers and showing their parents and showing other people things that they had learned and things that they had done and being able to to have a space where they could go do that. Um, so, yeah, that's that's fantastic and and. Um... I often say that Twitter is kind of a, a gateway into meeting people with similar interests, but there's a lot of other spaces. Google Plus and Edmodo have communities where you can find people who are interested in similar subject areas or similar um, you know, ways of sharing that can be really good. I know Michael, um, we, we wrote a little article, Wes, where Michael, on, really on a lesson that Michael did in his class, where he had his students um, blog from the perspectives of Enlightenment philosophers and share them out on Twitter. And then they had social studies educators from around the world ask them authentic questions that they had to answer, um, you know, from those perspectives. So they had to show like a deep understanding and apply their knowledge and understanding to all these contemporary situations. They would ask, you know, uh, Montesquieu about uh, what he thinks about Common Core. And so they'd have to be able to have an understanding of current issues <laughs> yeah. and nice. like the historical perspectives. And it was just kind of fun because they got responses from like Australia and Kansas. Not, I don't know, those are not comparable, but, <laughs> but, no, so. but still, yeah, other, other places. Yeah, yeah, they're making connections. Well, and I guess I'd say teachers tend to default. To a, to usually to a conservative inside sharing approach. In my experience, it's only a small number of, of innovator early adopter teachers that are really out there. I heard somebody last week call them the fast horses, you know, that, that maybe are going to go the out there horses. and do that sort of thing. You really need handholding and encouragement and coaching and help and support to, to help teachers come into this because there's there's so much fear and and you know overall in society that's just like played so much as the card where we try to get people to do things with fear we don't have teachers generally just jumping out and saying hey this year i think i'm going to set up a youtube channel and publicly you know share all my you know my student um you know my student skits there however if we can help you know, hold you know, hold the hands of, of, of teachers. You know, show them examples. Show them where this is being successful. Talk about yeah. pitfalls. You know, why do you want to turn on comment moderation? How how can you try to avoid you know something blowing up and, and being negative? And then hopefully sharing with them the excitement of the kids and the and the benefits. You know, because what what's the benefit? Why should I do this? Um, I think that 
uh, Alan Levine, who's Cog Dog on blog, on uh, Twitter, has a great project called uh, like Powerful Stories of Open Sharing, and it's people sharing you know something that was really transformative to them. And sometimes it's a rabbit hole where like this led to this, led to this, led to this. Yeah. And I think that. Um, if, you know, we're all on a journey with this with digital learning. We've, ex- we, you know, some of us have taken online courses before. Some of us haven't. Some of us have taught, you know, with these tools, uh, you know, in, in blended environments. You know, some some people haven't. Everybody's got a different set of experiences, but sharing is something that's universal. And the benefit of sharing, uh, usually we don't have to convince people of, of that. So when it comes to the digital, I really I agree that with, with Dan's point on Twitter, it's a great place for educators co- to connect. But that's mm-hmm. also a, can be a scary place and a confusing place. <laughs> And not everybody yeah. is gonna gonna take to that. So I think it's it's like a menu of choices. There's a lot of options, and you know d- people are swayed for different reasons and by by different contexts. And and one of the things I think we definitely need to do is share share our stories because you know if if I share a transformative story about. Um, you know, what happened as a result. I mean, a quick one my wife has was just, just on their kid blog last year. Uh, yeah. She had a fifth grader and, and, a, and a first grade um, sibling. And there was, there was just the sweetest exchange between them, you know, that involved, <laughs> I love you and all this. And it's like, you know, maybe at one level, people think that's small, but words yeah. are really big. And when you give people a chance to use their words extend them, you know, share them in a, in a way that it wouldn't have been otherwise, and also have them written and amplified. I mean, I can't tell you how many people saw that and just had their heart warmed. I don't know. I, that's a, that, that sounds like a really small story, but when we no, it's a great pull story. that into our culture of sharing, there are lots of things that happen, and, and I think as teachers, we've, we've got to tell our stories. You know, if we don't find ways to share the the learning that's happening in our classrooms, I mean, we, we have such a need to help educate our communities about not only what's happening in our schools, but, you know, the innovative things that could happen in more places given right. you know, support and, and, and passionate teachers and connected teachers. Well, thank you, Wes, so much for being with us. Um, Wes, where can uh, our listeners find you and, and your work online? So I'm W Fryer on Twitter. Uh, I've actually started a mostly every Wednesday night uh, podcast called the EdTech Situation Room with my friend Jason Neifer up in Montana, and that's EdTechSR um, on Twitter or EdTechSR.com. Um, if you just uh, uh, Google West Fryer, uh, you'll probably find a number of websites that, that I've created. My blog is Speed of Creativity, and um, yeah, there's. I, I've I've thought I probably need to do something to kind of aggregate things because I'm I'm kind of all over the place sometimes with a bunch of <laughs> a bunch of things published in different places. But uh, well, we'll get just best. So Wes is prolific online, and so there is a lot. But we will get all of the uh, details for everything you mentioned in your in our show notes. And uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we hope to to continue the discussion online, and hopefully everybody uh, will be sharing a lot of the work they're doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Chance to be here. And if you haven't already, subscribe to Visions of Education on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you write That's us right. a five-star review, we'll read it on the air. You can also find me on Twitter. I'm at Dan Kretka. And I'm at 42 Think Deep. And until next time, this is the Visions of Education podcast signing off.